Welcome to part two of our series called Refresh. Uh, I began just a few moments ago asking if any of us have been battling discouragement. I'm going to ask another question, a little bit more personal, and you don't need to put your hand up necessarily unless you, you, you feel comfortable to do so. But how many of you can say that you've been feeling lately the desire you to quit? Saying, I just feel like I'm done. I quit. Whether it be a job, whether it be a marriage, whether it be whatever circumstance around her, maybe it's life in general, just at the place and saying, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I quit. That's what I want to talk about today, uh, because if you're feeling that, and I saw hands still go up all over the room, that the fact that so many of us are feeling the same thing at the same time to me is unusual and, and there's a reason why we're doing this series and talking about refresh and finding out where our strength can come from and how we do things. And, and the reason why we're really doing this series now is because many of us, if you're like me, I'll just talk about me and you can say that's you too or, or not. But for me, I, I came into the spring, at, 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 at the end of spring, I was like, man, I'm tired, I'm discouraged. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm weary. The tiredness is of the body, which you can refresh. Weariness is of the mind. I was like, I feel weary. And I thought, man, do I ever need time off this summer? I need a holiday. I need, I need to do what I, I need to get, you know, extra time away, whatever it might be. And I did. I ended up getting extra time away and all that. And then that didn't help much. So now as we come into the fall, you start to panic a little bit. I start to panic a little bit and going, well, if what I normally do doesn't work, now what? And is there hope on this, on the other side of this thing? And I don't know, any, any of you feel the same? Going, man, what we normally do didn't work? And going, now what? And what, what do we do? And then you feel that discouragement gets to the place where you're like, well, I just, I give up. I feel like giving up. I quit. I got to stop doing all that I'm doing or do, you know, something's, I can't just keep going and feel like I'm beating a head against the wall or whatever it might be, and you just feel like enough is enough. Well, there's a guy in, in the Bible that we looked at um, as part of our series, last series. He's, you find him in the book of Nehemiah. You find him actually in multiple books in the Old Testament. His name was Zerubbabel, which I'm not going to say that 10 times fast. Poor guy. We'll call him Z. Um, but he was, he was tasked by God to, to go back to Jerusalem, uh, much like Nehemiah. Nehemiah was tasked by God to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls and rebuild the city. Zerubbabel was tasked by God to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And Zerubbabel was a, a, a man of great talents. I mean, just the fact that he recruited over 42,000 people to go back with him to repair the, the temple shows you what kind of man he is. But along the way, it didn't happen the way that he thought it would happen and in the timeline that he thought it would happen. And it, he got very, very discouraged. And he felt like quitting. He felt like giving up. And in the midst of that discouragement, we find this in the book of Zechariah, that the prophet Zechariah, God spoke to Zechariah and said this in Zechariah 4, verse 6. He said, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. I mean, when you see the Old Testament prophets, the Old Testament prophets often speak 
directly to a nation or they speak to the nation of Israel in particular. This is a prophet that's recording a private prophetic word for an individual. And he's saying this, this is what the Lord, where the Lord says to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, he says, you're not going to be able to do this in your own strength. You've got some Zerubbabel, but this, is not, this, is, this task is too much for your own strength. It's too much for your own power. What happens in the natural, you, you can do, you're going to get so far in the natural, but what you need to go all the way is the supernatural. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. In this series last week, we began a conversation with, that Jesus had with his disciples right before he ascends into heaven. And we find this in John 14, 15, 16, and, and 17. And in chapter 13 before all this is, is the, the Last Supper and the disciples are up there. And it's, it's fascinating to me that right after Judas leaves the room to go and betray Jesus, right after that, Jesus has this conversation with his, the, the 11 that were left. And we have recorded basically a very private thing. So this is literally, this is the day before, the night before Jesus is to be crucified. So when Jesus says, I'm about to go, he's not saying months from now. He's like, 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 I'm about to go. I'm about to leave you guys. And so he starts his conversation. Right after Judas leaves, he starts the conversation. He says, I'm about to, I'm about to leave you. And they're like, you can't. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're God. You're the Messiah. You're the promised one. You're like, you can't go. What are we going to do? Like, and you're, I mean, you're not done yet. You haven't done what you're, what you're tasking. You can't leave. And they're bothered by this, and they have lots of questions. And in the midst of all of those questions, Jesus starts this way in chapter 14, verse 1. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> like, their heart was already troubled. And, and yet Jesus is saying, hey, I, I, he just says, I, I'm about to leave. Don't let that bother you. And then the rest of verse 1, he's like, I'm about to leave. Don't let that bother you. Do you trust God? Trust me, too. They're like, okay, we're listening. He goes on in verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he will may be with you forever. In other words, Jesus said the same thing that, that God said through Zechariah. He says, we're, I, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send you another helper because you need this, guys. What you're about to go into, what you're about to do, what you're about to take on, you need the Holy Spirit. You need this helper. You need him with you. Not because on your own strength, you're not going to make it. On your own might, you're not going to make it. And we know that because, hey, the very next day, the very next day, Jesus gets arrested and the disciples scatter. The next day, Jesus gets crucified and only John is left on the scene. The rest of them are gone. Jesus gets buried on, on Friday night and Saturday. Where did, where did Peter and the rest of the guys go? Peter went back to fishing. Like the, Not by might. No kidding. They're standing there. We're with you, Jesus. We, we believe this, this plan. He warned them ahead of time, I'm leaving. He leaves the next day. They flee. Not by might, not by power. Come on. These guys had been with Jesus for three years. Don't you think, come on, if they were willing, circumstances changed, they were going to flee. They had been with Jesus in the flesh day and night for three years. And under, the, under that strain, they gave up. They quit. 
And had Jesus not pursued Peter, we would probably, he would never have done and accomplished what God wants him to do. He could have quit. Just like if Judas would have given Jesus a chance, Jesus would have pursued Judas too. That's who he is. And so all of us, come on, all of us, me included, we know what to do in our own strength. We know how to try in our own strength. I've been trying. You've been trying. We know how to do this in our own strength. But not by might, not by power. That's only going to get us so far. We need something else. And Jesus knew this. This is why he said, guys, don't let it bother you. You trust me? I'm going to send you another helper. So last week we learned that the Holy Spirit is a person. Because he said he will come. The Holy Spirit is a person. What does that mean? That means... Come on, look, we're in southern Alberta. Many of us, myself included, grew up in churches that basically the Holy Spirit was like a four-letter word. Like, you don't, the Holy Spirit's weird. Like, anyone, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. That's only for the crazy charismatics, and they're crazy. Come on, is there anybody here that's, that's left? Like, this, is, this church had a reputation, by the way. Right? The crazy church. Right? Am, I, am I telling the truth? Under the big blue roof. Right? The craziness under the big blue roof. And, and so then the perception is, well, the Holy Spirit's weird. If we view, come on, come on. If we view the Holy Spirit as a commodity, and what I mean by that is the Holy Spirit is not an energy boost, not an energy drink. The Holy Spirit is not a set of gifts that you can practice inside the four walls of a church and get strange and weird. The Holy Spirit is not uh, a new language that you just kind of randomly, like, that's not the the Holy Spirit is God in person. And this is what Jesus was telling his disciples. He said, hey, I'm leaving you. I'm not no longer going to be with you. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be in you. Which leads us to the second thing we learned last week is that the Holy Spirit is a promise. Jesus was the promise of God, Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit is the promise of God in us. And Jesus called that promise an unfair advantage that the world is not going to be able to understand because they don't know him. They don't know Jesus. But when you get to know Jesus, you have this unfair advantage where you get you get the Holy Spirit in you. You get God in you. And, and it's an unfair advantage because, and this is what Jesus says, hey, you guys are going to need this. Where you're about to go and what you're about to do, you're going to need this. I'm leaving. And then he says in chapter 16, it's actually better that I go because I'll no longer be with you. And if I was with you, he could no longer be in you. But he says, I'm going away so that he can come to be with and in. That's your advantage. They didn't get it when he said it. But Peter, who right after this talk, denied Jesus, even to a servant girl, denied even knowing Jesus, would later get filled with the Holy Spirit and would, would preach the first sermon and 3,000 people get saved in front of the same people that he cowered with. And he all of a sudden he had something, he had an advantage. And God can transform us too. Third thing we learned last week is that the Holy Spirit is peace. And this word peace in the New Testament means wholeness, completeness, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. 
And man, I, I don't know about you. I could use some of that. Anybody need a top up? Like wholeness. Need wholeness. Completeness. And then last week we learned that the Holy Spirit is a push. What I mean by that is my eight-year-old daughter, she's full of lots and lots of energy. She loves going to the park. I told you that last week, and yesterday she begged me most of the day to go to the park. She loves it. And she goes there, and she's in gymnastics, and so she's all up and down the monkey bars and all all around. And then eventually she gets to the swing, and she goes for a while. And then she lays down on that big round swing, and inevitably I'm going to hear the words, Daddy, I need a push. And when she did that, the last time I was like, that's what I need. I Daddy, I need a push. And Jesus promised the Holy Spirit is that push. So let's continue on in this conversation that Jesus had, and we're going to go into to chapter 15. And I want to show you something in chapter 15 that I, I think is going to be helpful and encouraging for all of us. Jesus said this in verse 1 in chapter 15. says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. I hate that. Just, there's, I believe the Bible. I don't like it. Anybody else like pruning? Come on. Like, I mean... When you get pruned, something's getting cut, right? But there's a difference between the cut of a surgeon and the cut of an enemy. And the devil cuts to hurt you, and if God cuts and prunes, it's always to heal you. It's always to make you stronger, to bear more. Look at this, it says, you will bear more fruit. He's only pruning you. So sometimes, listen, Sometimes the surgeon's knife hurts, doesn't it? All the time. It still hurts, but you know and you endure that because you know it's meant to heal you. And sometimes when God prunes, it hurts. But God never, this is why Jesus said, trust me, God never prunes us to hurt us. He only prunes us to heal us and to have us bear more fruit. That's how God works. Verse 3, you are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. Then he says in verse 4, abide in me and I in you. I wonder how strange this would have sounded to the disciples sitting there looking at Jesus face to face. And he's saying, abide in me and I in you. And they're going, you're with us. Like, how does that work? And they didn't understand then. They had no idea what he was talking about. But again, Jesus is doubling down on the fact that, wait, I'm going to no longer be with you. I'm going to come and be in you. That's the Holy Spirit. And this is your advantage. This is better. He keeps on driving this home. God in. God in you. And then he says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, you're going to be able to bear so much on your own. And you're going to, it's, he goes later on to describe this fruit and saying it's fruit that remains. That there's often times where we try to self-generate fruit or results we try to get, you know, do things in the natural and we try to self-generate and try to make it up. But that, whatever we self-generate, anybody else notice this? It never lasts. We have to do it again and again and we have to find other ways. But when we, when we generate fruit, the fruit that God's talking about, the fruit that Jesus is talking about, that fruit, it says it will endure forever. It lasts forever. And that you can't get on your own. And here's what, here's what I want to, I I'm trying to get across in this series. And this is what God's been speaking to me and I'm, I'm 
the conversations I'm having with so many of you is that you're going, okay, I needed to hear this. I need to hear this. Because here's, here's what I've, I've learned is that I've gotten so used to, and I'm a pastor. Come on, I'm supposed to be doing this for a living. I'm supposed to be in the Word all the time. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be leaning on this, and I, and I do. Trust me, I, I do. But, but here's the thing that I've realized is that I've been so used to doing things on my own, in my own strength, and generating my own energy, doing all those kind of stuff and doing everything in the natural, that I simply forgot or, or, or let slide or the dependence and the reliance on the Holy Spirit to, to do that. And what I'm saying in this series is this is a time to refresh this is a time to take a step back and to go, Holy Spirit, we need you. I, we can't do this on our own. And we're tired. God, Daddy, we need a push. And I don't know what you're going through, what you're doing, but, but you've been trying. And you know all the things natural to do. And I'm not saying stop doing the natural things. All I'm saying is, hey, let's take some time. Let's recenter and saying, hey, God, we can't do this on our own. We don't want to do this on our own. Daddy, we need a push. We need a push. Jesus goes on in the rest of this, this passage, and he begins talking about the vine and the branches. And then he, then he gets to, he gets to uh, a certain point in, in this, after he's talking about the vine and the branches, he gets to verse 12, and he says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. I mean, he, he, goes, he goes on, and he's like, he starts it in verse 13, right after Judas leaves, right after. Judas walks out, the door closes, and Jesus says, I'm leaving you guys. And they're like, what? And right after he says, I'm leaving, he says, so love one another. Then he says, don't let this bother you. Do you trust me? I'm sending you another helper who will never leave you. Okay. And after he goes on to explain this helper and the Holy Spirit and what it's all about and abiding in and all, all that kind of stuff, then he says, love one another. And here's one thing that, that you need to see. Jesus sandwiches love one another. It's the new command in between the Holy Spirit. We, don't, we can't separate these. This is all one, one conversation, one thought. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that we need God in us. We need to awaken to that, but we also need one another. And that when he's not here, that we need one another. That sometimes iron sharpens iron. Sometimes in the midst of this, sometimes we need to gather and see hands, other hands go up in the room who are battling discouragement just like you are and going, I'm not alone. We can get through this together. If I'm, if I'm the only one, then I think I'd be crazy. But, if, but all the rest of us, sometimes we need the encouragement of one another. Amen? That's why we don't forsake the gathering. This is like in this time, this, this battle, this, we need one another. We also need Holy Spirit. Then we get to the end of chapter 15, and Jesus says this. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Which is awesome, because one of the things, one of the tendencies is that when we get discouraged and we get down and we get fearful, we withdraw. We pull back. We withdraw from one another. We withdraw from relationships that would normally fuel us, and we kind of pull back. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you so much joy. My joy is, is your strength, like verse 11. I'm going to put my joy in you, my strength in you, and you're going to have so much strength that you're going to be my witness, that you're not going to be able to keep it 
to yourself anymore. You're not going to be withdrawn anymore. You're going to go out and testify about me, and the Holy Spirit is going is to help you with that. Which, anybody else feel a little bit more introverted than you've ever been in your life? COVID's done that, come on. Life and circumstances done that. I don't know, I'd, I'd like me back. And I can't do it on my own. I've tried. Here's, let me put it to you this way. My kids love daddy dates, and the reason why they love daddy dates is because of me. No, just kidding. It, I, I'm, that's not. It's because of the candy store that I would bring them to. That's the truth. <laughs> And there's a candy store near our place, and, and they like me taking them on the motorcycle. And as a, on our route there, close to our, our house, is this, this street that has a yield sign. And, and right on the corner of the street is this massive, massive evergreen tree that covers everything. And I've been caught a couple times there because it's a yield sign, so you slow down and you go. I've been caught because I don't see, I, you can't see traffic coming from the direction, the trees there, it's in the way, and all of a sudden, last second, you're like, oh, it, it caught me twice yesterday. And I was like, oh, man. So I'll, I'll, I began thinking about this a little bit, and what Jesus is telling his disciples, and what I'm trying to tell all of you, is that sometimes we need to yield to the Holy Spirit. And yield, a yield sign is, means slow down and pay attention. Isn't that right? And Jesus promised in, in John 14 that the Holy Spirit, one of the advantages the Holy Spirit will give us is that he will give us insight into things we do not yet know. And if you're in a place where you are clear on, your, on what's ahead and you're clear about your destination, you still need to yield to the Holy Spirit, but you don't need to come, to come to a complete stop almost. And when I get to this corner, because I can't see around the corner, I nearly come to a complete stop in order to be safe and to keep my children safe. And if we can't, if you're in a spot in your life where you can't see around the corner and you're not seeing as clearly ahead, what happens is when you don't see as far ahead and you don't see as clearly ahead and you're beginning to question that, you, get, you face unusual discouragement and you face the desire to quit. And that's why Zechariah said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. It's by the spirit. That's why Jesus says, you guys need to wait in the upper room until you get the spirit because you need to yield, come to, and if the more you need the Holy Spirit to give you insight, the more you need to slow down, come to a stop and saying, Holy Spirit, I'm paying attention. And that's what I feel like God is saying to me in this season. I'm wondering about you, but just saying, hey, we need to yield. Slow down. I'm not seeing as clearly as I did before. Lots of confusion. Lots of world has gone nuts. Lots of things, uncertainty, lots of stuff. I'm going, this is, this is the time where we need to yield. And if we can't see around the corner, we need to yield to the point of maybe coming to a complete stop and just saying, Holy Spirit, I'm going to wait until. I'm going to lean on you until. And if we do that, watch, watch this. This is what Paul says in, in, to the church in Galatia. 
He says this, my counsel is this, live freely, animated, and motivated by your latest purchase, or by your circumstances all aligning, or by your great smarts, or by your great holiday. No, no, no. He says live, live freely, animated, and motivated by God's spirit. That's why church can't be dead, by the way. You've got to be animated. Come on. <laughs> All the Mennonites are... Anyway, just get. Come on. I see how animated you get at discos. Come on. We can... We can yeah, anyway. <laughs> Everyone else is going, did he say disco? That's like... No, disco. Yeah, anyway. Live freely, animated, motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. He doesn't say you'll never feel selfish. You won't deal with selfishness again. He says you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Feed it. And then he goes on. He says, why don't you choose to be led by the spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? He's talking about religion here. Why don't you choose to be led by the spirit? He's not writing this to the unchurched. He's, not, he's writing this to the church. And he's saying you have a choice to be led by the spirit. In other words, you can choose to not be led by the Spirit. You can choose to be led by other things. You have to make the choice to be led by the Spirit. Then he says this. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. If you choose to be led by yourself or natural, I got this figured out and I can get myself out and I'm okay, I can do this all on my own. He says, here's what's going to happen if you try to get your own way all the time. He says, you get repetitive, loveless Cheap sex. You get a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. You get frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Uh-oh. He listed shopping on here. Like, come on. <laughs> Magic show religion. Because sometimes we, we come to church and we want, the, we want God to do the instant fix. The magic show. The spectacular. And if God doesn't do the spectacular, he's not moving. Come on. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper. An impotence to love or to be loved. Okay, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Pretty sure Paul didn't have social media when he wrote this. But it just kind of speaks to that. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, and he says, I could go on, to which point I'm saying, please don't. Please don't go on, Paul. Ouch. He says, that's the result of trying to live and fill your own self. And, and what he's talking about, he says, you're going to try to manufacture your own happiness and your own satisfaction. And he says, you might get fruit, happiness for a, for a second. You might buy that trinket and it might feel, make you feel good for a second. And then it goes away. So then what do you do? You, you try to refuel again. And you, you try to manufacture this. And he says, no, no, that, that's trying to live your own way. Fi trying to manufacture your own happiness. Then he goes on, but what happens when we try to live God's way? He says he brings gifts into his life, 
Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. This is exactly what Jesus said in, in John 15. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Here's the fruit he's talking about. This is what, he's, this is what he describes. Things like affection for others. Exuberance about life. That one got me. I need that. Anybody else? Exuberance about life. Serenity, that's peace. I, I, we develop a willingness to stick with things. I thought that was a personality, but apparently that's a gift from the Holy Spirit. The willingness to stick with things. A sense of compassion in the heart. And a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. Then he says we find ourselves involved in loyal commitments not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Man, this list, this, this is a better list, isn't it? So this is the result, this is the fruit of, being, of choosing, of making the choice to be led by the Spirit. And I'm looking at that list and going, I, I need that. Daddy, I need a push. I need that. I need to yield. I need to slow down and say, Holy Spirit, help. This is the promise. Then he says in verse 25, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, it's a choice. The life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold of it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts. And that one hit me. Because if you had asked me, are you Spirit-filled? Yes. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Do you trust God? Yes. Then why are you still burned out? Because I... I've been too busy doing it on my own. I hold it as a sentiment in my heart, but he's saying, no, no, no. You need to do more than just hold it as a sentiment in your, an idea in your head or a sentiment in your heart. We need to work on, work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That, that relying on God just isn't what we do on Sundays. And leaning into the Holy Spirit just isn't what we do one hour a week. But this is something in every detail of our life. That means that sometimes when you go to work and you have a big meeting, maybe you should slow down, just take a, walk a little bit slower to that meeting. Get there on time. But walk a little bit slower when you get to that meeting and, and simply just ask, Holy Spirit, help. Give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, come. And rely on Holy Spirit. When, when, when we're about to open our mouths and speak to our children and all the rest of it, Holy Spirit, help. When we're about to have a discussion with our spouse, Holy Spirit, help. Right? Like, all the wives are supposed to say amen. But that, that, like, just that, hey, if we just yield, come on, if we just yield, slow down, slow down and pay attention to the Holy Spirit. The result, what Jesus says, if you just do that, the result is you're going to bear much fruit. And Paul describes that fruit. I need that fruit. So today's today, takeaway is simply this. If we yield to the Holy Spirit, we will yield good fruit. If we yield to the Holy Spirit, we will yield good fruit. Now imagine just yielding the kind of fruit Paul lists here in, in your marriage, in your business, in, in your life. What did he list again? Just in case, affection for others exuberance about life, serenity, a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction of basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves invo involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life. 
I've got bruises on my head from all the times I've tr- I'm stubborn. How many times I try to force my way. And it's like, I don't need to do that. Have Holy Spirit. Able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. I don't know about you, but Daddy, I need a push. And I choose to yield. Let's pray. God, I thank you for sending your Holy Spirit as our advantage. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to us now and cause each one of us to and challenge each one of us to choose to yield to you. We thank you that for your promise to never leave us, never forsake us, that we're never alone. I thank you for your promise of peace, of wholeness. I thank you for the promised gifts that you're giving us. We ask for those things now. We receive you now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning, you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. Paul said it this way in Romans. He said, all you need to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is God and believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead. And we're going to do that right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer that confesses with your mouth that Jesus is God. And if you believe that Jesus is God and that he rose again from the dead, then right here, right now, you can begin relationship with him. And the promise is for every believer is that you have the Holy Spirit. That's the promise, the unfair advantage. And when you pray this prayer, it's not a commitment to join our church, not at all. It's not, a, it's not joining a religion. It's quite the opposite. It's a personal relationship with you and him. So let's pray this together. Everyone repeat this after me. If you're watching online, pray this with me wherever you're watching from. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my God my Lord and Savior, and my friend. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins, for accepting me just as I am. I give my heart to you. In Jesus' name, amen.